It's 4 o'clock in Los Angeles, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live! Woohoo! And now it's working. <laughs> we have no idea why, but when I hit go and the green light went on, the show did not. So we got it fixed. Thank you, Bria, for helping us all the way from Kentucky. I'd like to welcome back Mr. Bobby Borg, who is a world-class marketing expert, especially for musicians. He's got a master's in marketing. He's written this really spiffy book that if you don't own it, you probably should. Music Marketing for the DIY Musician. And on top of all that, Bobby is going to tell us how to blow up your fan base today. We started this last week. We had a very long list of tips and tricks to get through. We made it halfway through. I erroneously, erroneously sent out uh, an email saying, we're going to do all Q&A this week. But guess what? I'm a pathological liar. That's not true. We're going to do an hour of the stuff on this list, and then we're going to move on to some Q&A. So welcome back to the show, Bobby. How are you? Hey, Michael, thanks for having me. And hey, everybody, nice to be here. Great to be back. They're clapping like crazy. <laughs> People are actually saying, I bought the book. I bought the book. It's awesome. Yay. All right. It is awesome. So we need to pick up on number 17, uh, which is where we left off. And the topic is policy. Talk yeah, to us absolutely. about that. Uh, sure. And Michael, real quick, if you don't mind me saying you guys, just to, for anyone that's new, this is based on a video uh, that I have on my YouTube channel called Blowing Up Your Fan Base. And, and what I did is I took, literally, I did a lot of research. I, I looked at over 50 YouTube videos on all the, 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 the gurus out there that claim to be able to blow up your fan base, you know, with the, the big spiffy thumbnails and all that kind of stuff. And I just said, let me see what these guys are, are, are talking about. And, and the interesting thing about it is, is I really boiled it down to these these 32 points. I mean, literally, it was, everyone was saying the same thing. A lot of promises, and it all boils down to, you know, again, really in a nutshell, spoiler alert, you know, hard work. Um, Bobby, so, uh, people are saying your mic is a little low. Can you bring it up? I've got plenty of you coming into my system here, but. Uh, how about now? Check, I check, think check. You might just be turning up the headphone level on your thing. Is there a fader or anything? Uh, Let me see. Uh, maybe we'll try this. Check, 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 check. Is that a little better, you guys? Check. Check. Is that better or no? I, I don't know. Take. There's a little uh, delay in the time that they're going to hear it to the time that their typing comes through. Okay. Better. Um, people it's said better. better. Also, yes, if you go down to your system prefs and open up the little loudspeaker thing for sound, uh, you, there's a little slider that'll let you bring it up a little more. Okay. Uh, let's see. Output volume. How about now? Check. Is that better, you guys? Yeah. Definitely. Check. Check. Okay. All right. Good. All right. All right. So, so sorry to interrupt you, but you know, yeah. I didn't want everybody to wait until halfway through the show and say, eh, I can't hear him. No worries. So as I was saying, you guys, um, basically it all boils down to um, a, a, lo a lot of hard work. Um, the, the title of this presentation is, is kind of a, you know, a hyperbole, uh, you know, on, on purpose because we all want to do this. But, but again, there's some, some, you know, strict points that, that we need to do and we need to follow. And that's essentially what we're talking about today. So uh, let's have fun with this. So number 17 was uh, policies, right? Yeah. Or 16? Okay. No, 17, so, I think. 17? Okay. In any case, um, yeah, you, you know, a lot of times people, you, you, um, 
you know, they, they don't necessarily know or they're unsure about how to use Instagram or unsure about use how to use YouTube. And, and you know, the interesting thing about it is, is if you just go and you read and you actually spend the time to read YouTube's policies or you actually spend the time to subscribe to their creator channel and actually read their policies and listen to their policies, um, it really, you know, enlightens you quite a lot. You know, it actually shows you what you should do and best practices and what not to do. And um, it could really kind of solve a lot of problems that people often have with things like getting blocked on Instagram, you know, where they try to actually do too much work at once and then they get blocked or they get shadow blocked and so on and so forth. So try to really understand uh, the, the policies so that you know how to use the platform uh, instead of just trying to figure it out by like trial and error. Oh, come on. Nobody reads the fine print. Everybody does trial and error, and then they're the first to complain about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're right. All right. Let's move on to number 18, Spotify. That's a good one. So Spotify is something that everybody wants to do. Everyone wants to get more streams. Everyone wants to get on Spotify playlists. And again, it boils down to the same thing. If you go over to Spotify's uh, you know, best practices, they will list out what they think you should do actually in order to get on Spotify playlists. And it never is what everyone tries to do, you know, buy <laughs> their way into like um, playlists, use like certain services like playlist, uh, playlist push or submit hub. They don't tell you to do that. You know, they have very, uh, you know, definite uh, uh, ways to say, hey, if you want to get on Spotify curated playlists, is this what you do? But before that, this is what you have to do. But it seems like a lot of people just don't pay attention to those kind of things. While we're also talking about Spotify, I also want to make it very uh, clear that Spotify shouldn't be the end game. It's not like all your attention goes into Spotify playlists or all of your attention goes into, into this other thing. Um, it's really all of these things together. And in fact, when you actually even take these courses from these Spotify type gurus, they actually do the same thing. They right. say, you got to build up your Facebook. You got to build up your Instagram. You have to do ads that all push back towards Spotify. It's never just like this magic 800 number. So Everybody looks for the magic bullet. And I don't believe that it exists. I've learned that running taxi for 29 years. It's constant, constant work. There is no easy answer. But no. It's a sad, but uh, tr anybody can have a hit if you're willing to do the work. It's that simple. Um, one of the reasons, uh, and real quick, one of the reasons why we, we all want the 1-800 number is because it's, it's in often cases, it's, it's frustrating and it's humiliating to like have your stuff up and only have 10,000 or 8,000 or 6,000 streams. It's, it's, an, it's humiliating. You wake up in the morning, you go see if you have more streams and you don't. And it's just like, it's, it, it's 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 it gets frustrating to the point where you just want to quit but you know we'll talk more <laughs> yeah it's funny last night i just uh got a, a friend of mine who's a, a pretty well-respected shrink i mean therapist here in los angeles and he's also a musician that was a taxi member for three years so he's going to do a panel at the road rally on handling rejection <laughs> a, a oh, real life good. therapist giving out uh, suggestions and that's important how to do yeah Okay, talk, tell us about TikTok, because, you know, TikTok is clearly blown up in the last couple of years. 
Yeah, so TikTok is another uh, uh, is, a, is another thing that um, what, what is always constantly brought up as a means for you guys to to sort of you know build and blow up your fan base. A lot of people are still not on on TikTok because they believe that TikTok is all about you know having to do like stupid skits on dancing or stupid humorous skits. Um, but you know, there's, there's there's really a lot of people on there. I mean, you know, someone like me giving 15 second little blurbs of information. Is, is practical. I mean, I don't have to dance in order to, to do that. And no, right you'd now, scare people away if you did. It, I, and I would be the first one I would scare. Uh, <laughs> me no sing and me no dance. Um, so, uh, yeah, they didn't, I didn't learn that at Berkeley. Um, so, so the things that, uh, the things that, you know, that, that you have to do is, is think about using that platform because right now the way the, the algorithm is set up is, is really, you know, anyone has an opportunity to put up content and for it to sort of blow up and, and, and go to the masses um, because it's still a relatively new platform and that's the way the algorithm is set up. So I would say hurry up and, and get over there and try to start making videos and figure it out. And if you're already doing it, you know, just, just keep on plugging away at it. Um, again, there's no guarantees. You got to get on the platform, learn how to use it. And uh, and and use it as a benefit. I think it's gonna it's gonna be around for a while at this point. So, I have a feeling you're right. Um, okay, measure, which I guess you mean by that, measure your successes and failures. Watch the numbers. Yeah, this is extremely important. I mean, uh, you know, and so many people don't do this, but you have to let the data um, guide you, and and you have to kind of look at what people are saying. You have to look at the engagement that you're getting. So for example, on my YouTube platform, I look everything uh, impressions to click through rate to watch time hours and, and you try to study, huh? Okay. That didn't, that seems to drop off. Okay. Let me try something different. Okay. Wow. Now I got that back, but something else, you know, and you yeah. just keep on studying the data and try to figure out. And, you know, oftentimes data is confusing. You know, we don't know how to analyze it. So you have to be skilled at analyzing it and you don't want to overanalyze, but, let information that comes in from the marketplace be your guide. You know, don't just look for confirmatory information. Like, Ooh. you you like my song, right? My song is great, right? And then when someone says no, you go to somebody else and go screw that guy. And you just are looking for confirmation. That's going to get you nowhere. What you want to do is you want to listen to what people are saying and you want to learn from what they're saying and you want to adapt. You want to adapt, though, within the realms of what your vision is, because you if, don't want to start becoming something else that you're not, because that's dangerous. If you go looking for the answer in there, you'll probably find it. What you have to do is look at it and let the answer tell you what it is. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I had a great, great example as recently as today. We had a, a new taxi listing come in for a TV commercial for a huge prod product. I'm going through a huge ad agency, no publisher split. So if any taxi member lands this thing, they could earn as much as $100,000 and keep 100% of that money, plus all the ownership of their publishing and master rights. So um, the staff was going to put it out as one of the three listings that was going to run on Saturday. And I said, no, let's put it out as a standalone because I need all the room in the subject line I can get to say that this is for a big TV commercial, for a big ad agency, $100,000 payoff, and you keep 100% of the money. And sure enough, we got 
almost 300% more clicks on, on that thing than our n typical numbers because yeah. it was a standalone and it was a great subject line. But right. when you, so if you go in and look at those numbers, next time I, I'll know, I mean, I already knew it, that's why I did it this time, but I learned that from watching the numbers, measuring, right, absolutely. measuring that, success. That's, it's important, and if you keep on doing the same things and expect different results, that's what they say is the definition of insanity, you know, the old <laughs> and famous quote. So, yep. so be careful of that. Um, the next thing on your list is timing, also critical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we spoke a little bit about this last week, and there's it also depends on your 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 target market. But you know, kind of be aware of when you post. For example, uh, people will say that the best time to post on YouTube is at around 11 o'clock. It's a little a.m. in the morning. It's a little bit earlier for for TikTok, and then again at night at around six ish and seven ish. Um, but you know, you have to be careful um, of of you know, of, of thinking about your target audience and thinking about like, well, where are they right now? What are they doing right now? Um, if I post right now, would it make sense? Are they in the middle of work or in the middle of school? So you kind of have to factor those things in, like right before lunchtime, right as they're getting home, right as they're sitting on the train driving home. You know, be cognizant of these things. Don't just like post stuff whenever you feel like it because it's not about you. Remember, it's about it's about your consumer, obviously, and your fan. Yeah. And, and guess what? And the platform is about your consumer and fan as well, because all the platforms care about is keeping your fans on their platform so right. that they buy advertising. They really do want to help you make, make your fans happy. Um, let's talk about feeding the algorithm. That sounds gnarly. Yeah. So basically, I mean, you know, there, I mean, there, you know, there's so much, you know, when you hear algorithm, you turn off and you go, that's a bunch of geek language. I'm not I can't deal with, you know, but if you just look at it this way, I mean, algorithms are just, you know, robots, essentially. And and, and, and what they do is they, they they take information that comes into them and they process it, essentially. Right. And the whole goal is to keep people on the platform. And I hope you guys listen to this really, really carefully. The whole goal of the algorithms is to keep people on the platform. So it's the algorithms are going to favor content that keeps people on the platform. So in other words, when you actually like I made this mistake before, too, I used to constantly try to pull people from like Instagram over to YouTube, let's just say, for example. But yeah. it, it picks up on that. It doesn't want you to do that. It wants you to keep people on Instagram. And the longer that you can keep people on Instagram, the more it's actually going to reward you, so to speak, because they know you have content that's gonna keep people on their platform longer. And the longer people stay on the platform, that increases sort of their platform for selling advertising. You know, so you you, you kind of yeah. have to think about those things when, when you're posting and creating content. Um, for example, you know, having descriptions to your posts so that people read them, so that people might engage with them and they stay on your platforms longer. You know, um, you, you know, utilizing if you're on Instagram, utilizing IGTV, you know, utilizing stories, utilizing all of the things that they have to offer for you so that you keep people on the platform. So that's important. Absolutely. You know, uh, we were looking at, at our YouTube videos the other day and I saw somebody do a review of Taxi and, and they had like 103 views on a review of Taxi. 
And I thought, why did this thing even show up? And it's because they had hashtags under the video. Not a lot of people use hashtags. So there's a difference between hashtags and tagging. They, uh, most people will get their tag words correct. They're meta tagging for a YouTube video, but this person had three or four hashtags. And sure enough, when you, you know, uh, search YouTube for hashtag taxi review, um, there they are up there, you know, with the big boys, all because they put the hashtag in there. So yay for them. Um, okay, let's talk about relationships. Yeah. So, you know, again, this is all like stuff we, we, we already know, but whether or not we do or not is another story. I mean, so many opportunities have come to me as a result of, of building strong relationships with people. The first re professional recording session I got at, 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 you know, in New York City at, at you know, Jimi Hendrix uh, Electric Lighting Lens Studios was from somebody that I knew at Berkeley that I, I made an effort to keep in touch and hang with this guy and check in. And, you know, so I was at top of mind and, you know, and, and I, I tried to be a likable person, a friendly person, you know, a helpful person to others so that when situations come up, people are like, oh shit, let's get Bobby, you know? Yeah. And there's so many opportunities, relationships that you might have with other musicians, relationships that you have with writers, relationships. I had a relationship, a friendly relationship with a, a model who was dating a rock star in a huge band, which actually, and she referred me to the, to the huge audition out in Los Angeles. I mean, you never know who might provide you a source of hey, come out on tour with us, or hey, come in the studio with us, or hey, you know. So building relationships is important uh, beyond sitting in your house all day, you know, just on social media. You know, you have to try to find ways to get out and network and meet people and build solid relationships. You're the really king cool. of that, though. You are so good. You, you are uh, the world champ of, like, emailing at 10 o'clock at night. Hey, just following up to say, thanks for having me on the show. You know, you're really, really good at it. Yeah, yeah. Most people, myself included, don't devote enough time to doing that. Um, all right, uh, influencers. There's a word we've heard far too much of in the last three or four years. Let's talk about yeah. it. Well, when we think about influencers, we immediately think about like these, you know, these, these mythical people on, you know, on, you know, uh, Instagram that have hundreds of thousands or millions of followers and you know and these are the people that we just hope are gonna shout us out and you know and then we're gonna blow up overnight mm -hmm. you know um, these they, they there are people that will take your money this is a business to a lot of people and they will take your money and they'll mention your product um, but a, a lot of times it, it's it's pimping you out you know it's just it's right. just pretty much like Hey, you know, check out Bobby Borg stuff or whatever. And it's just, it's not necessarily authentic. And uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's not necessarily, well, you know, and this is my point. It's not necessarily authentic. And in many cases, it costs a lot of money to do these kind of things. But there's a perfect example right now. An influencer doesn't have to be these mythical people on Instagram. Uh, or YouTube, they, they are people like right down the street, you know, yeah. it's, it's Michael. It's, I talk about taxi all the time to my students. I have for the last 20 years at USC, UCLA, Musicians Institute, 
I always mention you in my books and my articles. Excuse me. In in a sense, I'm I'm a small influencer for for taxi, as I am and, for um, you. But yeah, there's a you know, there's a network of us who all know each other, trust the quality of what we're doing. That's the thing. Is I wouldn't recommend you. I wouldn't even have you as a friend or have read your books or recommend them if there wasn't quality there. So right, you have to exactly. do the homework of pr producing quality work so that people in your network of influencers know you, respect you, and trust you. And then, sure, it's a lot of quid pro quo, but in a good, healthy way. Absolutely. And there's a lot of power in, in local people talking about you, the local bartender. The local, um, you know, uh, barber, I mean, the, 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 you know, anyone, the local DJ in the small college radio station, anybody that's talking about you is valuable. And, you know, especially if they're saying good things. <laughs> right? Well, that goes to the next topic, which is community. Yeah, building community is, 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 is so important, you know, being part of communities, you know, in, in essence, this what, what we're on right now is a community, you know, yeah. Michael has built up a community for you guys, which 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 lives and exists beyond taxi, because when Michael gets off of this thing, you guys are going to still be communicating with each other. When Michael sets up the taxi road rally, you guys all hook up and you guys are all doing your thing when he's not around anymore, you know, because he's built up this community of taxi sort of loyal followers. And this is something that we can all do, you know, especially in Facebook groups, in Discord, um, you know, in Clubhouse. And if you don't start your own community, you could be part of communities. There's tons of Facebook groups where, you know, you could be part of these small communities where people get to know each other. And the amazing thing about it is, is that oftentimes the moderator is not even involved and the and the group takes a life of its own you know i'm in community groups i'm in video editing groups i'm in you know uh, youtube uh you know marketing groups and things like that and it's it's great you know there's things on reddit that you can be involved in too as well so just go out and seek out those communities that work for you Somebody just sent me, uh, they copied and pasted this into an email and sent it to me this morning. This was put up by John Pearson, who frequents the chat room and is very much a part, especially of the Taxi TV and Quarantini Happy Hour community. So he put this up, up on September 18th. A big shout out to Taxi and Michael for opening up my eyes to the world of film TV composing. Um, I got my BMI quarterly on Friday is my largest ever, but most noticeable to me was nearly $1,000 of it. it was from our favorite music library owner, panelist, and direct conduit to Young and the Restless. I would have never met her if it wasn't for Taxi. Folks who attend the Taxi Road Rally know who I mean. Six years of being a member, and it took me a few years into this to realize that utilizing all of Taxi's resources is key. Here are a few examples. I've used the peer-to-peer -peer section of this forum to bounce rough mixes off of my friends, received great imp input uh, from my peers. This has caused me to redo guitar parts, swap verse one for verse two, edit down a bridge, blah, 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 all, all you know, uh, making it better until it ultimately got signed. Number two, he checked out the forwards blog to see who made the cut. Yes, I get ticked off when I get a return. I got two this week, but the top... But on top of the screener's critique, I want to hear what actually did make the grade. I watch Taxi TV and the Quarantini Happy Hour as often as I can and try to soak up what Michael and his guests are saying. Uh, especially love the episodes. My fellow members' songs get played and critiqued by Music Soup's publishers and the fantastic Robin uh, Frederick. 
Uh, lastly, and very importantly, I attend the annual road rally, the, the, you know, the, the community on steroids. I've been to all of them since I joined in 2015. I've learned 99% about what I know about film and TV composing from the classes at the road rally. I've made connections with fellow composers and publishers I would have never made on my own. Even though I live in a music town, it's invaluable to have all these composers and industry pros pro under, uh, all together under one roof. Anyway, so that underscores exactly what you're saying. Community. Here's a guy from Nashville. He's got more musicians per square foot than any other city on the planet Earth. And, and I know John Pearson. I know him well. Um, he's a great writer, great musician. Um, but he looked outside of Nashville because he recognized the film and TV part of the industry was important, wanted to pursue it, knew that Nashville didn't really have a community of those people in a big way, and boom. Now he's... Oh, nice. Yep. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and there's so many communities, as I said, so check them all out. There's even communities you can join on LinkedIn as well. So look into okay. it, you guys. The next one up is live performance. I'm curious to hear your take because that's obviously gotten a big ding, you know, punch in the gut, actually, from COVID. So... Yeah. Late so on you know, generally speaking, I mean, um, you, let's let's talk in a in a non-COVID world for a minute. All right. Okay. Because, I mean, please. I mean, you know, who the hell knows what's going to happen? I mean, you know, I'm no expert on viruses <laughs> and what's going to happen. But I mean, let's just pretend. OK, let's just look at live performance. Um, th there's a there's there's nothing better than being on stage and performing with the energy and the 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 communication that you have with your fans sitting there looking at you and then afterwards coming backstage shaking your hand or meeting you in the bar or whatever or back by the van and just saying hey you know thanks for coming out to my show that was awesome uh you know appreciate your support there that communication right there there's there's really there's nothing stronger than that and literally yeah. to this day you guys i have people emailing me and texting me and instagramming me from that have seen me play live in 1994 and were just like, hey, you know, you, you were the coolest. You came backstage and you were so nice. And there's that the connections that you can make live are so important. And yet it blows me away how many people do not actually play live and forget about COVID, especially these days. A lot of my students are bedroom artists. And I'm yeah. like, literally, have you ever done a show? And they're like, no. And I'm like, Wait a minute, let me see if I can wrap my head around this. You've never played a show? Like, what do musicians do? You know, it, it trips me out. I mean, and we're, we're talking about sophisticated musicians. Some of my students right here at USC, you've never done a show? Like, what? You know? But, um, you know, a, a lot of people think the solution now, even before COVID, is just pop up an iPhone, buy a ring light, do yeah. a little five-minute recording, throw it up on YouTube. But if you don't do all this other stuff, nobody's ever going to find it on YouTube. It comes down yeah. to the tagging, be part of a community. You got to get people watching. You got to get people commenting on it. You got to get people to subscribe to your channel. If they do all these things in concert to make it work, there is no yeah, absolutely. easy answer. Absolutely. And it's, and it's just, again, it's that face, the power of eye-to-eye contact you know um it's just extremely powerful and yes there are people occasionally that blow up on you know out of their bedroom that have never done a show you know little nas x and people of this nature but but really i mean get out there play touch your fans um you know communicate with them and it's very it's very very powerful now give, i do understand we're in a covid world but even then um you can still do 
um, uh, you know, live streaming. And I know, again, that that's got oversaturated. And now that's become kind of old in a way as well. So as soon as things open up again, which they are, um, you know, start getting out there and playing again. You know, lots of people that I know and consult with are, are out performing live already again, you know, yeah. you know, safely, but they're out doing it. So if you're not doing it, get out there and do it. You know, I need help with this next one. Merch. <clears throat> For, yeah. We've had taxi t-shirts on and off again over the 29 years we've been in business. Usually we sell, you know, 100 of them at the road rally or something. Um, last year, when people were stuck at home because of COVID, the drums were beating very loudly. We need new merch. We need new merch. So we went ahead and we opened up an online merch store and we put uh, mugs, um, really nice hoodies, t-shirts, whatever, in, in the merch store. And we put a banner. I mean, our email list goes out to over 100,000 people. And we've got banners plugging the merch. We've, you know, I, I'm pretty good at marketing. Um, the merch doesn't sell. <laughs> it's just, right. and frankly, if I were on, on the buyer end, it's like, why should I wear a, a shirt with your logo on it? Well, some people would say it's affinity. I want to show my support. I want to show my connection to this band or to this organization, Taxi or whatever. Other people say, why should I pay you 15 bucks for a t-shirt to advertise your company? I can't right. disagree with them. So talk to me yeah. about merch. Yeah. So, you know, uh, all right. So if I was going to speak at the Taxi Road Daily, which I which I am, as I understand, right? You, you are. <laughs> but 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 it's going to be digital. But if I was speaking at, at the, you know, like LAX, like we normally do live, like and I was going to make T-shirts, like would I really expect people to like come up and go, hey, I liked your like presentation. OK, great. Buy my twenty dollar Bobby Board shirt. You know, I mean, it's just like I mean, you know, who the hell am I? You know, however. You might buy a shirt that basically has something like DIY or die on it, you know, some expression that 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 relates to you and communicates a, a something not only to yourself, but to the people that are going to see you wearing it. It means something to you. Bobby Borg, you know, hey, he's a nice guy that tries to give us information, but it doesn't really mean, mean anything to you. Um, so. I think trying to get into the psychographics of, of your of your fans, their activities, interests and opinions and sort of thinking about different phrases and different slogans and different things that might be important to them beyond just the word, you know, taxi, you know, so rather right. than sell the, the word Bobby Borg or sell the logo taxi, it's just like a phrase, an expression, something that they can relate to, something that that conveys their personality and what they believe in and what you know motivates them and then on the back have www.bobbyborg.com you know i call it making merch um that that means something or merch that matters or merch that sells itself so in other words it's a shirt that will sell you know with, without having to have your logo on it it sells by itself so you know, uh, let's talk about Che Guevara for a minute. I've always been mystified by the fact that people wear Che Guevara t-shirts for his, since literally since I was in college in the 70s to as recently as like a week ago, seeing somebody with a Che Guevara uh, t-shirt on the guy was a friggin mass murderer every and people hold him up like he was some sort of awesome revolutionary but you know what the photograph is so iconic that yeah. people wear because it, it just looks cool they don't have any idea that they're wearing a picture of a mass murderer on their t-shirt 
You know, it's funny because uh, I, I saw this uh, this wonderful Chinese uh, student, a female Chinese student that was wearing a shirt. And I go, oh, cool. You're into them? And she looked at me like, who? And I go, you have the Misfits logo on your shirt. I go, did you not know that's the Misfits? And she goes, no, I have no idea. Uh, so she obviously this image is just so iconic in America that she came to New York and said, oh, you know, I, I have to have that image because it represents New York. It represents being in America, you know, and that's the meaning that she got from it. So everybody creates their own meaning in their own minds of what this, uh, you know, of what merch could mean. Um, and, uh, you know, you just have to kind of get into their heads and think that way rather than think from, you know, just purely your name and logo. I would go way beyond that in the beginning. Yeah. Until, until you mean something like walking around wearing a Rolling Stones shirt or what, what, you know, wearing a Van Halen shirt or a Rage Against the Machine shirt or a Nirvana shirt. That means something to people because the, the band is so established, um, you know, universally. So until you're at that point, I would make, you know, merch that sort of communicates other things beyond just your name. Maybe I should just get rid of the taxi logo and put my face on there with a little beret, maybe grow a little goatee, hold up an AK-47, you know. Anyway, um, let's see. Live performance. We did that. Uh, promotion. I, I would buy one of your T-shirts, Michael. Thank you, Bobby. I didn't uh, know your taxi shirts were on sale. I'll go get one today. Awesome. <laughs> uh, promotional mix. Yeah, so, so promotional mix. So, you, you know, when people think about promotion, they ultimately think about the internet. You know, it's just like, what can we do on the internet? You know, and that's, and they don't go beyond that. But really, when you think about promotion on a broad scale, promotion exists. There's so many different types of promotion. There's, and sometimes they all bleed into each other, but essentially the categories of promotion are publicity, advertising, internet, guerrilla street marketing, word of mouth marketing, sponsorships, radio, direct marketing, face-to-face -face selling, and sales promotions. These are the 10 types of promotion that exists. And so often people do not explore these other types of promotion and they just stick with that one thing, internet. Yeah. Oh my God, Instagram, TikTok, Spotify playlists. And that's all they got. I have a you know, theory. Um, it's because they get to hide behind their screen and their keyboard. People in general hate to sell. Uh, they hate to sell because number one, they're afraid they're going to be rejected. What if somebody says, no, I don't want to buy your stupid CD. That's going to hurt. I understand that. But people don't like it in general. Even like selling Girl Scout cookies in front of a grocery store on a little table. That's really hard. It's a good lesson for the Girl Scouts. It teaches them that uh, it teaches them how to be polite, the proper etiquette, the right way to approach people. And if you're nice to them, they'll be nice back to you. But most people are scared to death. They feel like it's like too pushy, too confrontational. Here, check out my CD or buy my Che Guevara t-shirt with a taxi logo on his beret. Uh, <laughs> they're just, they're afraid to sell. Is there any way to get past that insecurity about selling? 
Well, you know, yeah, I mean, I was actually, uh, you know, for a short period of time, I was a, a corporate sales trainer. Actually, I needed to get away from drumming, and I, my, my friend had a business, and I just jumped in that for, for three <laughs> years. And I was, I was, I just had to get away from music. So yeah, I was a corporate sales trainer for a short period of time, and everyone wanted to know what's the magic behind, like, why you sell so much and grow so much every every month. And so, ultimately, you have to realize that you know people always think of like. I'm pushing something on someone, but if you feel that you have something of value that that actually fills right. a need in that person's life, then basically what you're doing is you're helping somebody. Um, you're helping somebody's life to be better, essentially. So if if you have a service that you feel really is going to to help someone, you should have no trouble with saying, "Hey, I know what you're trying to do, and I think I have the key." to unlock that lock and um, you know, and you should check it out because it could, uh, you know, it could benefit you. But, but now if you're trying to sell deceit, like, you know, uh, like a used car that's broken is going to break down down the street. That's when you should feel badly about selling. Right. right? That, that's when you should, when you're trying to rip people off, when you're trying to do something that's going to hurt people, then you, that's when you should, you should feel maybe, badly about it. You know? Maybe people think, Deep down inside, my music's not as good as the other stuff out there. Even though they, you know, in, in a moment of, of bravado, they'll say, "Yeah, it's a great new record we've got." But maybe they just don't believe that much in their own product, and they've got that insecurity, and they feel like they're selling a beat up old used car. Well, you know, sometimes, and and, and the funny thing about it is, the people that are do have that bravado, oftentimes it, it's they shouldn't. You know what I mean? So I have found that it's either one or the other. It's the one that's quiet. And it's kind of angry and suffering because they're like, why does everyone else get placements and I don't? Or it's the one, it's the loud mouth that's like, yo, Bobby, man, you got to check out my shit, man. It's dope. Yo, bro, you got to check, you know, and, and I'm like, and then I listen to it and it's like, God, horrible. Right. right? So I wish we could find somewhere in the middle you know what I mean, where it's just like the person that's hyped that doesn't have the quality, tone it down. And the people that actually have great quality but are just shy like up the game like you know you, you got to put yourself out there you know and um and ultimately i think a lot of hard work and research really cures a lot you know because it, it will show you what you know you know if you're if you're if you're not feeling good about what you're doing it's because you're not sure about what you're doing is good so get it out there do research get feedback as much feedback as you can talk to people, you know, hire consultants, whatever you have to do, hire services, and then you'll be more confident about what you got to offer. So putting yourself out won't be so, so much of a mystery anymore. You know, it's just like, you know what you got. And if you don't got the goods, then maybe you shouldn't put yourself out there, which is another problem, right? People are, are just trying to go in for the quick, you know, quick win without doing right. the work. Yeah. Uh I've got to say, you mentioned hiring consultants in the almost 30 years I've been in business with Taxi. I think every single time I've ever hired a consultant, um, I've been tremendously let down by them. And these were consultants that had great reputations and stuff. But, you know, maybe it's my fault. Uh, consultants, you want somebody to solve the problem for you, not just identify the problem. Consultants are really good at identifying problems. Mm -hmm. but they don't actually do anything to solve the problem in most cases. So if I could only find a consultant that would say, 
you know, you need to fix these three things with Taxi and I can do that for you in six months for $30,000, I would write that check in a heartbeat if they had any yeah. evidence that they've done that for somebody else. Yeah. Instead, what they say is, well, you should fix this or fix that. Well, yeah, we're aware of that, but it takes a lot of man hours to fix that. We have other priorities like right now the road rally or making our members happy, blah, blah, blah. We can't get to it. So I'm not a big fan of consultants, um, but I'm always on the lookout for a great one. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, I noticed the same thing as you. A lot of times there's, there's strategists, you know, the people that say, well, this is what you need to do and here's a plan and you need to go do it. And then there's right. actual companies that actually do that kind of stuff, which oftentimes are, are really good tech people, but they don't really get the strategy and the strategy people don't get the tech, you know? Right. So oftentimes what I've found is that uh, a good method is when you have a strategist that knows how to refer you over to the right tech people that will get it done um, is, is, is sometimes what I found as being useful. But it is difficult to find someone that does both those things actually. Absolutely. Uh, Liz, uh, if you're listening in, which I believe you are, can you post the link to the Taxi merch a couple times during the show? People are saying, I had no idea Taxi's got merch. Um, that's because we didn't put it on the homepage of the website because when you try and put everything you want to crow about in the homepage of your website, nobody goes to the place they actually you want them to go. Uh, oh, my favorite thing in the world, email. Let's talk about email, which I would be willing to bet is the single most effective marketing tool if you have a good email list and you know how to use it. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. You know, people in their minds have this idea that email is old school and that's not the case at all. You know, if if I were to email, let's just say for example, Michael right now, Michael would get my email, right? Um, if I were to put up a post on Instagram, let's just say, will, will Michael see it even though he is, you know, you know, in my feed and, and following me? Not necessarily. Right. right. If I put something up on Facebook, do I? Oh, I know Michael's following me and I'm following Michael. So he, Michael's going to see this. Not true. Right. But if I email Michael, he'll get my email. Now, some people might argue, oh, well, what happens if, you know, your email goes into his junk folder? And I go, yeah, okay, so that is possible that that happens. But generally speaking, your odds of actually getting to the person that you're actually reaching out to are greater than just throwing out a, a post on Instagram or social media because it's, that's, you don't know, you know, depending on their habits in the last couple of days or weeks, if they haven't interacted with you, it's not going to get served to them. So right. e emails, definitely it's a great way it's it's not again none of this should be just do email not social media you should be doing all of this stuff but i definitely have an email list that i've built up um and i'm building i know michael does and and you know and you just have to know how to work it you you have to know not to abuse it because obviously if you start spamming then people are just going to start you know uh you know unsubscribing um you have to know how to craft appropriate emails that get people's attention right and, um, you know, and you just keep on building and building your, your list over time and, and, and serving your audience uh, directly, you know. So it's something that if you guys aren't doing already, I, I use a simple service like, you know, MailChimp. It works for me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, we use a thing kind of like MailChimp on, ster MailChimp on steroids. It's been around for a long time. You know, it's a big, it's the general um, AWeber. Constant, 
Oh, okay, because there's Constant a Contact, there's, I think, Media Finder, there's a bunch of them out there. Yeah, AWeber's kind of like the General Motors. They've been around the longest and they're the biggest. They may not be, like, the most technically advanced. They are very technically advanced, but I'm, they may not be the first to market with a cool new thing, a cool new feature, but they'll copy it in 90 days, and that's good right. enough for me. Sure. But. Um, their analytics are really good and their rely their inboxing is really good, which is important. Um, but still very frustrating. We work really hard on our email stuff. And again, it's not something you can just set and forget and it, it pumps out dollar bills. No. And, and on that note to you guys, I mean, there, there's a statistic that says about 3% of the people on your list are going to click uh, are going to see the email and click it. So, I mean, sometimes if I send out a 500 person email list or 700 person email list, I mean, I might, you know, it's, it depends on, on what I'm posting, but you know, you might get, you know, 30 clicks or you might get 23 clicks. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So, I mean, you, you, you have to work at this to say the right stuff, to post the right stuff that people want and also to get rid of all the dead weight as well. So if people aren't responding to you, you need to just go, you know what, let's maybe put them into a, a different list, you know, and, right. you know, and just kind of, so it takes work to actually service your list. Of course. The one thing you don't want to do is abuse your list um, because the receiving ISPs, especially Gmail, um, they pick up on that stuff and you make one wrong move and they will make sure that you never go to inboxes again. I, right now, we've had, got a problem because we send emails every day with listings. There's no better, more effective way to send our listing updates out. Members won't remember to go online and check them every day of their own volition. If we put them on Facebook, most people won't see them. So we send them out an email so they're permanent. They come to your phone, they go to your mailbox and your computer. They're always there when you need them. Right. However, uh, Gmail sees that not as spamming, but they know it's promotional in nature. They don't know it's actually functional, less, more functional, less promotional. But most of those emails go to the promotions tab as opposed to the inbox. And that's a battle we're always fighting with them. Mm. Um, quality. Let's talk about quality. Well, you know, we, we touched on this a little bit before, but, but, you know, ultimately just again, thinking about the work that you're doing and and making sure that it's the best you can be you know it can be before you pump it out there and and i'm guilty of this or I, I, you know i used to be guilty of this <laughs> and, so, and sometimes i um i get to that point where you're tired and you're like uh oh, it was a good enough take and then you're like stop like no it's not and you know it's not and you know you could do better so let's do a better take, you know, whatever that case might be, whether or not I'm giving a speech or I'm creating a YouTube video, whatever the case might be. It's just, it's gotta be, it's gotta be right. You know, not, uh, you know, uh, analysis paralysis, but you know, you know, when you're <laughs> posting good stuff, right? Yep. And, um, you know, when you're posting stuff on Instagram, you know, think about what you're posting. You know, if you're taking a picture, that's just ask yourself, what value is this to the, is to the audience? I mean, you know, Here's me eating a piece of pizza. I mean, again, if you're John Lennon, we'd, we'd love to see you eating pizza. But if you're, if, you're, if you're no one, I don't know. What value does that really bring? I mean, is it, is it really sharing your lifestyle with someone? Maybe if it's you eating pizza in a rehearsal, maybe as, as, as people are tuning up or something, that could be interesting. But 
just kind of think about what you're putting out there instead of just putting out there because it's not just about being in front of eyeballs it's about putting the right stuff in front of eyeballs too always goes back to the same core question you have to ask yourself in every marketing channel that you're using and every marketing move that you make if you were in the shoes of the person that's about to receive this whether it's an email or a facebook post or a postcard in the mail whatever it's got to be treated like they're asking the question what's in it for me and right, if you sure. can answer that question with something of quality and value then send it um, wishful thinking we are all guilty of this there's no human being on the planet earth that is not guilty probably more often than they'd like to know of wishful thinking lay it on me well wishful thinking is is pretty much you know that you know the thing that maybe a lot of people have in their minds like you know wouldn't it be awesome if i blow up or wouldn't it be awesome if i get that opportunity or wouldn't that be awesome if this thing happens and the truth is is sometimes yes but sometimes no and and, and sometimes no is when you blow up when you're not ready to blow up because <laughs> if you have maybe that one song or that one video that blows up you know kind of by accident maybe you know you just kind of put it up and you did the right things and it blows up well the date the problem with that is is now everyone's looking at you and it's like okay where's the second one yeah. where's the third one where's the fourth one and where's they're not the going to hang one? out in your yeah. mind you're thinking oh well they love this first thing so much they're going to hang out wait for the next one they're sitting there waiting with bated breath they can't wait to get their hands on it nope they're gone in five minutes they're gone you know yeah. so that being said you know slow down and make sure that before you start putting yourself out there that you know you actually have the skills to pay the bills and you're ready to stand up and keep on delivering you know you know otherwise you know um people might look at you and like okay that's all you got okay and they're on to the next thing <laughs> you know so so be careful of that um you, you know, know what you feed your channel really well how many this is, is by the way i'm plugging the book because it's really thick it's really good bobby's really smart and he understands it's not just marketing it's marketing for musicians diy musicians but how many books have you written now over the years like six seven books uh, wow, the, the, you know, it's funny because before I actually started publishing books, right, here goes my own lesson right in front of you. Before I actually published my first book in 2003, which was called The Musician's Handbook, yeah. I was already publishing, I was already writing at least seven or eight books on my own and then wow. just going, okay, these, this isn't right, this is right, start again. I, so basically, I wrote seven or eight books before my first book. I allowed my first book to actually go in for the kill and to and to get it published, because I knew it wasn't right. It wasn't ready yet, you know. And I had the patience and time to to really create it and develop it. So, um, the musician's handbook was was uh, I had two versions of that, and then business basics for musicians. There's uh, two versions of that music marketing for the DIY musician. There's two versions of that. Uh, introduction to music publishing yeah that's the other one yeah um, then there's another one we just came out with called introduction to music publishing uh, which I co-wrote with um, and Bobby uh, didn't ask Bobby right. didn't ask me to have these all sitting here <laughs> I literally had them sitting here from last week and look this one's got the famous see-through cover yeah oh yeah <laughs> that that one uh, I, I co-wrote with uh, Michael Ames who's also been a uh, a guest on your show um and, and michael times. and i uh teach a class together 
at UCLA. I'm really uh, proud of that book because it's got a lot of the latest stuff that you need to know with regards to music publishing um, and, you know, and all the questions that you might have. So, and again, you guys, I have no problem talking about this stuff and, 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 and gloating about it because the truth is, is that it, it, it's basically going to provide, um, you know, you guys with a lot of, uh, of value. So of course I'm, I'm going to talk about, it. I would love you guys to read it. And, um, and, and if, and if, and if you don't, there's plenty of people out there that are, so, <laughs> so, so there you go. You know, I mean, I have no problem talking about it and you should have no problem talking about your music as well and being proud about it because when you put a lot of work in and you put a lot of time in and it truly is a good product, you should have no problem talking about yourself and what you do. You know? I just learned a very valuable lesson. If you hold up a turquoise book in front of a green screen, it upsets your white balance and makes you look orange. That's oh, why I look orange. Yeah, new, oh. new, new lesson today. All right, this next one, second to last one, and this is a really important one. And remember, we're going to go to live Q and A. Um, be first. Yeah, you know, and I, I got to admit, I'm guilty of this too. But basically, you know, the key to a like, like really grabbing hold of a lot of these platforms is to be first on the platform. So, you know, um, when TikTok came out, right? I, I think a lot of people were just kind of sitting there like looking at it going, okay, what's this gonna be? And then for a minute there, it, there was, there was, you know, we were thinking, I don't know, maybe Trump is even going to shut it down. I so think he helped. Exist. I don't think he understood that he was helping to market TikTok. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to take your candy away. Good. Then I want more candy now. Right, right. <laughs> so at one point, people are like, well, why should I start it? It might not even be around. And now I think everybody sees that it's going to be around. But now you're catching up to, you know, people that already have a lot of, uh, of followers and stuff like that. And, you know, and it's still early enough to get on there, as I said earlier, but um, if we could only be first and kind of hear about these new platforms and jump on them and learn them and be, you know, ahead of the line, but there's a problem to this, isn't there there guys? Because, you know, how do we know? And there's only so much time in a day. You can't keep on jumping on all these platforms and building them up and then boom, they're gone. I mean, you know, you know, we don't have time for it. So I get it. You want to sit back and just kind of wait to see if it sticks. But ultimately, being first helps a lot <laughs> when it comes to promotion, of course. You know, we could take this another way. We could talk about being first in terms of innovation. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you talk about Michael's uh, business, Taxi, you know, it, uh, one of the, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the, the correct or, or one of the, the things that are so important to your success is the fact that you found a need in the marketplace and you filled it before anybody else better than anyone else. And uh, and that's one of the keys to your success. If you were trying to start taxi today, well, you know, it, it might be a little bit more of a challenge, you know, um, so. if it were any more of a challenge, I would have jumped off a very tall building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been plenty challenging even with being first. But you know what? When you're first, you have the, the first mover advantage. You, you have the novelty yeah. of a fresh idea. But you also have to convince people that it's going to work. And, it, right, and exactly. that was the hard part. Convincing yeah. people that we were legitimate. And the only way to do that was by being legitimate, by being right. honest in every little thing we do, which is our nature anyway. But um, we had to earn the trust of our market. Uh, and now let's go with the final one, which is in the perfect place on your very long list, reality. 
So reality with regards to promotion, of course, because that's the subject of what we're talking about today, is that is this is like a lot of times we see people with these insane uh, numbers of followers and, and just like they're posting every single day and they have this amazing content. You guys, spoiler alert, there are people <laughs> that basically don't do anything else but YouTube. Like literally that's their job. Not only that, they have a crew of five people that are working for them. The guy that makes the thumbnail, the guy that actually does the editing, the guy that does all the promotion, the guys that, you know, it's a full-time job for them. So you trying to compete when you have like 30 minutes after coming home from work to create your YouTube channel or whatever, a YouTube video, you're competing against those people. So point being is be realistic about what, about the results that you expect, you know? I mean, in other words, you know, these guys are doing it 24 seven. If, if you're not at a point in your life where you can do that, be realistic about what you can accomplish, you know, set goals that are achievable, you know, yeah. and, and, and keep things within sort of your scope, you know, say to yourself, look, these are the cards that I have dealt and I'm going to play them really well. And you know, it's just like in poker. Nobody knows your cards until they're on the table. So, you know, people win in poker with having the worst cards in the world. So play your cards right. Do what you can with the time that you have available. If you only have an hour, then let it be an hour and just and just keep your expectations, you know, in check and just do a little bit every day and try to have fun because at the end of your day, man, health, mental health is extremely important and people are more aware of it these days than ever, but you can drive yourself crazy with all this stuff, with trying to get out there, with trying to get promotion, with trying to feel validated, you know, with trying to feel like people actually give a damn. It could really, really screw up your morale. So, you know, just be realistic about this and what you can do. Uh, always remember, you gotta have fun and just do a little bit every day. And a little bit every day is just chunking along on moving you further. And, you know, and the next thing you know, things happen for you and everyone will say you're an overnight success. Yeah. One percent, one percent incremental improvement on a daily basis will give you 365 percent at the end of the year. And truth be told is that one percent is a really good one percent. It's going to be like compound interest where, uh, you know, a week from now, the one percent is building on top of all the one percents that came before it. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, um, you know, Warren Buffett says, you know, it, it, as, as the more and more the compound interest grows, the more and more exponentially it starts to explode because there's, you know, it just keeps on building on top of each other. So, um, well, thank you for all that. And, and good job going down that lengthy list. The fact that you remember all this stuff and can regurgitate it so clearly is pretty amazing. Um, I'm going to answer or have you answer some of these questions that came in the comments from last week's uh, episode with you. First one's from Dan Weber, and he said, question for Bobby, what is the marketing strategy for older film TV composers like myself? Um, so I'm going, so basically I'm going to, I have to analyze that question because we can poke some holes in that. So does that basically mean an older composer that writes older sounding music <laughs> or is it an no. older composer that writes you know Let, let's say older composer somebody who's you know in the 50 to 60 year range um that probably you know 
smoked a fatty in college and played in a band and then became a grown-up and raised a family and now has a home studio and they're learning how to make instrumental cues for reality television you know dramedy cues and such um they want to know dan wants to know how how do you market yourself uh, first of all i yeah. wouldn't say you're old because nobody cares Right. Well, just again, to be clear, um, you know, I do have a lot of clients that are old and their music sounds old, too. Like they're trying There's to push that. stuff from. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so so that's why I just wanted to kind of. So considering like Dan is, I don't know, let's t pick an age, a certain age, you know, in the 50s or young 60s or whatever. And he's trying to get into this game. You know what, Dan, it doesn't matter how old you are. And that's the beauty of film and television work is that if you're aware of what is needed in the marketplace and and essentially you're willing to serve the documentary film and what they want you're willing to serve this tv show and what they want um really your age doesn't doesn't matter at all um you know you know michael and i have talked talked about taxi members uh i believe in their 80s uh 90s that, the 90s that have that have gotten you know placements in in documentary films and with you know, and different, hist you know, historical films and, and things of that nature. So, yeah, I mean, um, age doesn't matter. I, I would focus, obviously, a lot more. I mean, you know, you're not going to be maybe on, on TikTok, you know, uh, doing videos and things like that. But you might be on, on YouTube. You might be creating, um, you might be scoring the, your own footage. Let's just say, for example, you know, you go out and you shoot beautiful nature uh, you know, scenes or something and, and you score your own, um, you know, music. I've seen people even take, you know, films from the past and actually rescore it and put it up as sort of their real, right. you know, uh, I, no one's really, I think at the end of the day, going to care about how old you are. They're just going to care about the quality of the work you do and whether or not you serve the people um, and what their needs are at the end of the day, really. They really, you know, age was only a factor for record companies. They want to sign young artists because the audience they're selling to are young music lovers. And they want long career longevity. If they sign somebody who's 60, <clears throat> they could be in a hospital by the time they're 70, God forbid, and, you know, not willing or able to go out on the road um, and promote their music. But nobody cares for film and TV. All they care about is, is this the right music for my scene? They don't care if you're 12 or you're 82. Right. Um, so I would say a lot of a lot of networking and, and all the different ways that we've talked about before, going to all the big conferences and networking, I would say join all the community groups that we talked about and start, you know, you know, talking with people in these groups and just reaching out. Um, you know, that's the approach that I would take, you know, through college films, um, and, uh, and and film festivals and, and, and things of this nature is what is really the routes I would go. Um, next question is from Laura Principato, and it might be too broad general. Uh, she simply asked, what marketing approach do you recommend? Um, yeah, that is a pretty broad approach. I mean, ultimately, the, the, the main keys to, 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 to marketing, obviously, if you had to sum it up, is we've already been talking about find a need and fill it you know remember what's in it for the customer always you know what's always in it for the customers it's called benefits and then also like trying to have some sort of element of uniqueness um, some sort of signature that's yours 
I know that when you're working, you're doing utilitarian sort of music and you're working for someone where they say, here, do it like this. So that's what we want. Yeah. It's kind of hard sometimes to interject, you know, your personality into it. But, you know, ultimately, we just remember that there's a difference between creating music for you, ultimately, that just makes you happy. And then there's a difference between actually creating music that's going to that people are going to are interested in are going to are going to use or are going to are going to listen to and oftentimes artists don't understand the difference between both those things they, I'm they really, you know it's one or the other right and it's not it doesn't have to be you know i just yeah. saw um one of our successful members in the chat room five minutes ago a guy named matt vanderbo he's the guy that famously um started to earn a, a really nice living working out of a tool shed in his backyard that he built a very simple very <laughs> it was the ghetto of record home studios. It was bad, but he made it work and got to the point where he was making enough money. He was able to walk away from his job as a communications professor at uh, Boise State University because he was making more money with music. So I've asked him this question. I've asked many of our successful members, does it bother you to be filling orders, creating music that is in response to a brief or a taxi listing versus just sitting down and emoting and creating music that comes from your soul, that your muse inspires you to do? And they all say, no, it's much better responding to what the industry has asked for because you've got structure, you've got a target, and you've got a deadline and there's nothing that will get you off your butt faster than those three things other than threat of injury. So, you know, if you're just sitting around waiting to be inspired by the muse, that TV show you just got sucked into is gonna stop that muse from paying you a visit. A deadline on a $100,000 taxi listing is gonna make you turn off the TV, go down to the basement, turn on your studio. All right. Yeah, you know, and and, just because you're doing something that someone asks you to do doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you have to, it has to be something that you hate, you know, I mean, yeah. so, so, so for example, I mean, you know, when I, we brought up these books before, when I sit down and have an idea, I have to be really passionate about it because I know that I'm going to spend the next three years or four years, like you know, reading it over and over again and researching it over and over again. So I need to know that I'm passionate about it. If someone said, yeah, Bobby, write a book about uh, this, if I just really wasn't into it at all, um, then maybe I would turn it down. However, what I have found is that people ask me to do things that are sort of based on what they know I do well. Mm -hmm. So in other words, when you, when you go out there and you create things that you know people want, people are going to start to get kind of what you are and what you do. And they're going to ask you to do projects that are reflective of that. So it's not going to be like you're creating stuff that you absolutely just hate. You know, it's going to be stuff, you know, that you, you know, that, 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 you know, it's still it's part in your, of you. Yeah. You it's know? in your wheelhouse yeah. already. Yeah, exactly. So easy to talk about what you love and know. Um, yeah. This one come, this question comes from super blonde and I will get to the questions in the chat room in a moment. Um, this one's from Super Blonde, a regular in the chat room. Another question for Bobby. Can he explain regarding all of those popular TV gong voting shows like America's Got Talent, etc.? There are so many shows that nature. Why artists on the shows, even good artists, do not end up with long-term fan bases or long-term careers or chart success? 
Even the vocalists, who cause huge sensations and release one or two albums which rise in the charts, disappear from view after a few years. The whole scheme of these shows is supposedly to drive an artist to viral success and career success, yet it never pays off long term, and this is a bizarre mystery. Is it a failure in their marketing? Not a single name comes to mind of an artist who has succeeded on the show in any prior year, who still remains relevant on the charts today. What are the missing elements? Long question, Super Blonde. This is a book, not a question. Because if if these talented artists can't create long-term relevance, even after being granted huge primetime TV audience exposure, after gaining the audience as fans, after winning a record deal, after launching a successful album, then there must be something very strange going on somewhere. Wow, a conspiracy theorist. Well, if I was going to use my sort of grad school background on, you know, here right now, and we were conducting some sort of research study and someone said, you know, the, the number of people that have been on these shows are, you know, um, are, are no longer successful. I'm going to go compare to what? Right. You know how many hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> that are never on that show that basically you don't hear about either? You know, right. so what are, what are we comparing it to? I mean, you might even say that the fact that they were on that show and had 15 minutes of success is far greater than the hundreds of thousands of people that are never on those shows that never have any success. So I don't think the factor that they're on the show is what makes them not successful or successful. It's just the way the world works. I mean, right now, we can we can list a whole shitload of like artists that have been successful on those shows you know michael and i would michael michael was better than i he listed off about six in a row i wrote these down on a post-it note when we were talking carrie underwood long career kelly clarkson 20-year career probably um daughtry that was a couple of years kind of came and went philip phillips i don't know if his career is still happening but the guy writes great songs very well respected um jennifer hudson she went on to broadway um she ain't going anywhere she may not be like a you know and by the way all these people i list i looked them up they're all gold or platinum or multi-platinum artists um jordan sparks david archuleta um catherine mcphee they've all had careers um that are pretty long to very long so the, it it actually does happen and you know what like bobby said there are plenty of artists that have a hit single that blows up their first album and their next album the sophomore effort is a stiff you know adam lambert somebody saying yep yeah um, i mean so you know i mean listen rather than than look at it from that perspective i mean so let so i'm kind of getting into the psyche of, of your question in the first place like in other words you know these I spoke with the, the, the guy that auditions people for America's Got Talent. You know, he came on there. We spoke about this. And he goes, look, you know, Bobby, we provide an opportunity for people that would normally never have this opportunity. You know, we hold these auditions around the world or around the country. And everyone has an opportunity to come in and throw, and throw it on the table. And, and, you know, if they've got talent, we give them an opportunity to let the fans vote and climb up the ranks, so to speak. Um, now, a lot of people sometimes question the contracts, you know, um, you, you know, which obviously, you, you know, there's some restrictions and sometimes people have told me that they can be very restrictive, but you have to look at them, decide whether or not they're right for you. And if what you're giving up, you don't feel you're getting in return, 
then you don't sign it. You know, end the story. You walk away. But the truth is, as he just said, we're here to provide a, an opportunity for people that they might not have have had before. Now, that being said, you would be surprised at how many of my students, like hundreds of them, will not go out for America's Got Talent or American Idol or any of those. They just they don't want to go that route, so to speak. They just don't want to they don't want to do it. So it's yeah. not for it's not for everybody. It sounds to me like the person answering this question is 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 thinking about it and they have maybe a little bit of a, a love hate kind of thoughts about maybe whether or not they want to audition or not. Um, but just look at it as an opportunity and, 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 and look at the contract as being something that you don't have to sign if it's not right for you. It's called opportunity costs. For every yeah. opportunity, there's a cost of that opportunity. It's a simple economic principle, right? If the opportunity outweighs the cost uh, or, or the other way around, the cost outweighs the opportunity, then don't, don't do it. You know what I'm saying? Um, it could be a good way for you to just kind of get your feet wet a little bit and go to a big, you know, national audition and, and, and see how far you get. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you don't have to sign anything. No one's putting your, your head to the paper and making you sign anything. So Absolutely. hopefully that answers your question. You know. All right. Let's uh, somebody in the chat room have a question you want to pop in with. I saw some earlier. I'll scroll up. Let's see if I can go find one. Always good idea to type the word question in all caps makes it easier. Here's one from Darren Moss. Bobby, if you still had a thousand dollars, if you had a thousand dollars to spend on promoting a new DIY music project on social media with no fans, which platform would you use? Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, or other? Um, so I'm not going to do the math and say I'm going to give $258 here and $320 here. I'm not going to do that. But I would just say I would divide up the $1,000 probably. <laughs> this is taking a lot with assumption that you have a good website, you know, that you have a good logo. You know, I'm going to assume you have all of that already. So, you know, I would say um, very carefully learn a little bit maybe about Facebook ads very carefully learn a little bit about Instagram uh, boosts um, and probably I would allocate uh, some money there. Um, some people might like to try a service, uh, a couple services out that, that out there that I think are worthwhile doing. And I'm not just doing this because I'm on the show, but I would say, you know, the opportunity to do film and television, film and television is like the new radio. So if you're not a member of, of Taxi, I would, I would certainly use that as one of your opportunities. Um, I would pay a little bit of money if you have to, um, to get your MailChimp you know, set up, your email marketing set up. Um, let's see, uh, what else? There's some tools that I use on YouTube, like maybe TubeBuddy, which isn't a whole lot of money. It's like nine bucks a month, which helps you with some SEO and key, keyword search and things like that. Um, let's see, yeah. So I think maybe about that point, we might be done with our thousand. Yeah, and, and frankly, a thousand's not much of a marketing budget. I'm always amazed that somebody will go out and spend twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 $30, putting together an album and press up 500 copies and jewel cases at disc makers and have no marketing budget. A uh, thousand is better than most people, honestly. Most would have zero, and a thousand is something. It's definitely not nothing, but you know, um, 
thousand bucks doesn't go that far. You know, and I also got to say, it depends on who you are, you know, but, uh, you know, it and it depends on who you know, but like if I was in a band, right, and, I, and we had a record coming out, I would do a killer record release party and literally invite any and everybody that I know that's in the music industry, journalists, PR people, just anyone that I know or anyone that knew somebody, and I would make open bar or I would try to get some sponsorship with Grey Goose or something to do open bar for an hour. And I bet yeah. you my $400 would get more value out of doing that than just like shitting and throwing like little ad money around here and there. Just simply again, because it goes down to those rep the relationships and being able to walk up to someone that actually literally saw you play and had the opportunity <laughs> to kind of enjoy themselves and maybe have a drink or two. Um, and just say, hey, you know, hope we do business in the future together or something or whatever. I'm amazed a long way. that people will show up for a free drink. I rarely drink. I'm not against drinking. I, I just get a headache. If I do one shot of anything or a quarter of a glass of wine at Thanksgiving dinner, I have a headache in 20 minutes. I don't bother drinking. But I'm amazed that, uh, would, you know, if, if there's like an open bar, people that, you know, are big, important people that you would never expect to show up for like, 30 to $50 worth of free booze will show up. I don't get the attraction, but yay, glad it works. Uh, you know, when you guys, uh, I don't I don't advocate for, I, I'm health nut, I don't drink anymore either myself. So so not advocating for alcohol, but you guys get the point, so. Yeah, back in the old days, back in the 70s, it was, I heard he's got an eight ball he's bringing to the party. People would so, show Jesus. up for that. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. was a whole different world. Uh, okay, right. here's another question. Uh, this is from Peter uh, Venio, and he says, as for merch, you think that a USB key with songs and goodies, videos, photos, etc., is a good idea? Uh, say again, a USB key, did he yeah, say? Yeah, uh, I'm okay. guessing just a, th a thumb drive with a little you know, logo dangling from it or something like that, or a logo printed on it. Yeah, well, I mean, it depends on who you're pitching. I mean, like, if you were at, like, um, I mean, if you're, if you're selling that as a merch item at your show, I mean, I think that that could be cool. But again, you have to ask, who's your target audience? Is your target audience going to go home and put a flash drive into their computer and then listen to your songs from their iTunes player or what? Or then download that onto their, their phone or something? I mean, I don't know. You have to kind of think about like who your user is and what their habits are. Um, if you're pitching film and television people, film and television people like to use a service called Disco um, as, as, as one of their primary ways that music is delivered to them. Um, right. So, it's a, and just you know, people should understand it's not a promotional tool. It's just a, it's like attaching what they hate getting is an MP3 attached to an email. Disco yeah, just gives yeah. them a, a, they open up the email and there's a playlist right there so they can stream the stuff without clogging up their hard drive. Exactly. Right. So you so you so ask yourself, what is the function of the flash drive? Um, it, you know, I think the cool thing, let's talk about the cool things about a flash drive. Let's just say, for example, since I'm a university professor, is that if you have a flash drive with a cool name, your name or logo on it, once they download all your material, they're going to keep that flash drive on their keychain and they're going to use it for like their school notes and other stuff. And your flash drive, your logo is staring at them the whole time. So that could be 
a cool thing if that's you know kind of what you have in mind you know and that's who your target audience is um you know years, so. years before i ever met you bobby back when taxi you didn't um you weren't a taxi screener when we were still in the apartments were you or were you no 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 okay no. so when we had a uh, two apartments so i started out of a one-bedroom apartment in warner center in woodland hills then became a two bedroom with a 10 by 10 loft upstairs then it became two of those apartments side by side and eventually we had to move into a real office but i remember I ordered 400 basketballs, yellow and black, alternating panel basketballs with the taxi logo on it. Uh, I think they cost me, I want to say about $4 a piece. They were pretty cheap, but they, they were regulation size and they actually bounced well and everything. And we blew up 400 basketballs and shipped them out to every A&R person and publisher in North America. And to this day, on occasion, I'll be in somebody's office and that basketball will still be there. You walk in, you see somebody with their their feet up at their desk, spinning a taxi basketball on their finger while they're talking on a phone. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, you, that's understanding your audience because me and you know that a lot of these executives and A&R people, they like to have these little trinket things, you know, in their bookshelves around them. So that's that's kind of a cool thing, having a basketball with the logo on there. That's something that they would actually display in their case. Um, so, yeah, it's again, it's understanding your audience. Oh, it's there got a go. green label so it's showing up clear. But yeah, this is from yeah. Transparence. It's a coaster that looks like a, an LP. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's from Transparence, which is a company that uh, chases the money for you in so many words. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. One more question. Um, I saw one up here. I'm going to go back to it because he was first to ask. Tool, can you name some tools and apps for automatic scheduling of social media? The one that I like and I use is Hootsuite. That's what we and use here at Taxi as I, yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, I, I can go down, you know, I mean, you know, whatever. Why do we need 15 if, you, if, if there's one? Hootsuite has been around for a long time. It works great. I think the the... the the service is free for me, but there might be a paid tier too as well, depending on how much you use it. Um, but check out Hootsuite. It's it's simple, especially you know if you're programming your tweets and things like that in advance. Um, you know, I used to program sometimes a whole half a year. <laughs> wow. You know, in advance, it takes a long time and stuff, and I don't necessarily suggest doing that simply because you want to be able to respond to the environment and what's going on and it's hard to predict what's going on six months from now you know so um but you could definitely plan out uh your your tweets that way so i would definitely look into that that's funny darren moss said uh, the name of the company is transparence and he's right it is transparent <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> that's funny yeah. um okay one more saw another one now i can't find it all right well we're we're basically out of time anyway we've got a minute left bobby um thank you for for doing this two weeks in a row i'm gonna blow my white balance again by holding up some books but you know bobby doesn't ask me to hold these up i hold them up because i've read all but one of his books um and they're they're written for you uh, they're, they're not written over your head, and that's not to denigrate you and say that you're dum-dums and you wouldn't understand them, but um, I've told this story before. When I was from the first day of kindergarten till the last day of college, 
I felt like I had, like I was stupid. I, I never got good grades in school. I had a 1.997 average going into my second senior year at the University of Miami in Florida. Um, had to had to do my my senior year over again because my average wasn't at C level in order to graduate. So ironically, uh, and I would read books and I'd go, I understand every word. I've got a really big vocabulary and I understood all the words on the page, but I couldn't remember anything. I would stay up all night studying. I would take notes. I would highlight. I would make little recordings of stuff and listen to it in the car. I was at the University of Miami because I got invited to come back and speak to the entire music school probably 15 years ago because now I'm a hero there. Even though I used to be a zero, now I own a successful music company. I'm a hero. Can you come back and speak to the, you know, the other kids? Sure. After I was done speaking, I went over to the bookstore at the student union. I pulled out every marketing book that they use as tech book, textbooks on the shelves, sat down in the aisles with two stacks that were about two feet high on either side of me, started looking through these same books that they're still using, obviously revised and updated editions. 35, 40 years later, I'm reading these books. I'm going, I still feel like they're talking gobbledygook to me. And I realized because I read market, well, the stack's too far away from my desk right now, but I try to read a marketing book a week and I read these books. If I'm 50 pages in and it's not connecting with me, I will literally go donate it to the library. But if it connects with me, I'll read the whole book. I'll underline it like crazy. I put notes all over the margins. I put notes inside the cover. That's what Bobby Borg's books do for me, is I read them and go, this guy makes perfect sense. He's not trying to impress other professors. That's the problem with publishing. Professors who publish, generally, you've all heard publish or perish, they are trying to write to impress other educators. They're not writing for you. They're not hitting you in the heart or the head. Bobby does that. So that's why I strongly recommend his books because you will read them and you will walk away from them feeling like, I learned something. I just spent 30 bucks on a book and I got like $5,000 worth of knowledge out of it. So there you go. Thanks for that. And it's really simple. You guys, they're all available on Amazon. Um, and if, Michael, and if you don't mind, I just want to let you guys know that everything that we talked about today is also available on a video on my home page at my youtube channel which is just youtube.com slash bobby borg b-o-b-b-y-b-o-r-g so literally if you go to my channel the first video that's featured is it has kind of complete overview of everything we talked about today so would love to have you guys go over there and subscribe i'm trying to build up the channel in the last year um so uh if you don't mind that little plug there michael um i would love Not to have all. you guys join yeah bobbyborg.com bobbyborg.com or youtube.com slash bobbyborg rather is where you'll find the where you'll find the um the youtube channel of course so thanks for having me michael appreciate that thank you for being here sorry we got off the ground late for whatever reason youtube just didn't latch onto our broadcast today click the button everything lit up green and bobby and i are sitting here thinking we're doing a show liz walked in at, at four minutes after the hour went nope no show um, I want to remind you guys, we will be doing a Quarantini Happy Hour tomorrow, right back here at 4 p.m., so please join me. Join me for that. Um, next Monday, I am not going to be doing Taxi TV because I've got to go to a wedding at 3.30 in the afternoon for some very dear friends. So going to miss next week, but I'll see you tomorrow right back here. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Borg. Bobby, thank you once again. Bye-bye. Thank you.
Tschüss. <laughs>